Hello, and welcome to the Persephone program for July 6, 2021. This year has sped by with lots of fiery energy, with lots of clash of the titans of Uranus and Saturn. Um, and recently, you know, the Mars square, Mars and Venus are now in Leo, kind of squaring and triggering that Uranus-Saturn square in Taurus-Aquarius. So there's a lot of a lot of energy, a lot of fiery energy. Um And I haven't been podcasting as much and I want to change that. I've been having conversations. I've been loving my amazing conversations that I've had already with several other um, inspiring healers and readers and um, there's more to come. So look for something, um, look for a couple more uh, coming up. But I wanted to briefly talk about how to interpret a chart, something very simple in a, in a funny way and yet infinitely complex. And I just wanted to do a quick podcast on this because I have been getting a lot of questions about that through my book club, the people that are following um, me on social media, through clients. You know, sometimes I'll give them a reading and send them their chart and they're like, I have no idea how to interpret that. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I've been studying this for almost 40 years, so I get it. You know, if you haven't studied it, it takes time. And so, you know, time is one of the one of the major uh, ways that we, um, I guess, use astrology. Right. So, I mean, astrology describes qualities of time. So time is important in astrology is what I mean. But today I kind of want to give you some real basics. Okay, so. The idea here is that, you know, anything worth knowing is worth taking the time to study and absorb in your own way. And I want to mention that, you know, to me, astrology describes a kind of spiritual practice in the sense that, you know, if you look at astrology as the meaningful interpretation of astronomy, meaning that it reads energy, energy as spirit, you know, uh, into what you would consider to be, I suppose, matter-oriented events. Um, It is spiritual. And sometimes spiritual practices and, and all forms of spirituality and mysticism teach that the intellect is often insufficient in understanding the workings of the universe. So think about it like that. So when you are studying astrology, and I'm going to give you very intellectual ways to do it, um, also use your intuition. Open yourself up for flashes of resonance where your body may respond or your feeling-oriented self may respond. So um, throughout all of this, employ the intuitive, and you will find that you understand and absorb even more. Things can be symbols can be revealed to you because it is part of the human makeup to understand um, these collective symbols. Okay, so let's get started with some real basics in understanding your astrological chart. Again, understanding that the chart really is at its core, and this isn't going to be an entire hour of describing step-by-step astrology and step-by-step. I mean, I could do and have done 
you know, an entire hour and a half or hour on each one of the planets, each one of the signs, each one of the aspects. But this is going to be like a general, okay, you've got some form of a key because that's where you need to start. Okay. A key. Like when you're looking at a map, you need to have a key so that you understand the symbols that allow you to navigate the map. Right. So when you look at astrology, the first thing to look for is your key. Now, all of the astrological charts um, come with it, you know, and they'll have the symbol of the sun and then they'll say the word the sun. They'll have the symbol of the moon and they'll say the word the moon. Most of them have the 12 signs of the zodiac symbols and they will identify them. Um, Some, they all certainly have the symbols of the aspects but they may not identify the aspects. I noticed that in astro.com they don't. So you'll need to find some form of a key. And I think that it is essential when you look at a chart and you read a chart that you have a key in front of you. There is one in the beginning of my book, Capricorn Rising. So there are several pages that contain what you would call keys or very simplistic uh, interpretations of the symbols. Okay, so you need to have a key in front of you. You must have it. These symbols have archetypal keywords that describe their function underneath them. Okay, so we'll start with the first thing that you do is you grab your chart. You can get it on astro.com. You can get it on AstroTheme. You can get it on CoStar. I mean, there's, you probably, if you're listening to this, already have several different ways to get your chart and you probably already have it. You may not know how to read it. Um, so I'm going to tell you how, okay? So you grab your chart on whatever free, you know, app you have or what have you. And there are zillions, okay? And if you don't know how, you can just Google it. Okay, and you're looking at a circle with a cross in the middle, 12 like pizza pie looking slices filled with um, with squiggles, you know, which are the glyphs, okay, or symbols for the zodiac signs and planets. Um, these symbols, okay, are placed in specific areas dependent on your time and date of birth, the latitude and longitude of your birth, all of that. And they have interrelationships with each other. And I think when people look at astrological charts, they get really overwhelmed as to like what I'm looking for, what's happening, um, and especially by the aspects, which are the lines that are drawn in the middle of that circle. Those are the, the lines that represent the geometric aspects between the planets in your astrological chart. Okay, so we have the chart wheel. We have, we're looking at the, we're looking at a circle, okay, that has an outer circle. And in, there's like a ring around it. So there's like a very, there's several rings, okay? There's an inner circle with an outer circle ring that identifies the 12 houses or places of the zodiac. Then there's a fairly large um, outer ring which identifies the houses and places the planets in their signs and degrees within them. And then there's an outer circle on the edge that identifies the signs that rule the houses. So you have several different ones. A lot of times people will say, where do I find like uh, the ruler of the cusp of my fourth house? Like, how do I find the zodiac sign that rules my fourth house? And it would be, 
the outer ring, the very outermost ring, you will find the glyph for the zodiac sign, and you will find um, that whatever glyph rules the cusp or the very beginning of each house is the plant is the zodiacal ruler of that house and the planet that rules the zodiacal uh the particular zodiac is the planetary ruler of that house too okay so that's kind of like you may feel that you're a bit lost but just understanding like you're looking at a chart wheel that has several different circles around it okay your ascendant the moment of your birth and the ascendant or rising sign is dependent on the sun's position um, in the sky. You know, where is it rising? Okay. So that is the moment of your birth. If you don't have it, you cannot get a fully accurate Zodiac chart, but we can still get a lot out of your chart. So if you don't have it, I like to give people, I like to use a, um, a sunrise chart. So knowing what time the sun rose at that time is essential, but usually it's somewhere between 5.30 and 7.30. You know, um, the signs take about two hours to move through a 24-hour day. So we have a rising sign that determines the all of the houses. And regardless of whether of what house system you're using, whether you're using Placidus, which is certainly the most common, or you've decided to use um, a whole house system, your ascendant will be the moment of your birth. Okay. And that is key to moving um, to determining your chart. Okay. Now, when you're looking at your chart, there's several different things to look for, okay? And a very quick way to look at it is to determine, okay, here's my 12 houses, here's my ascendant, these are the signs that rule my 12 houses, and these are the planets that rule my 12 signs. Then we wanna look at our planets. Where are they, okay? So number one, let's find the planets in signs, okay? The very, very most important thing for you to even to even understand if you just want to begin to look at a chart is your sun, your moon, and your rising. Okay, the sun and the moon in astrology, although not planets, um, are very important. You know, the sun represents our ego, our core self, our consciousness, and the moon is our instinctual self, our subconscious. So we have an outer or solar consciousness and we have an inner or intuitive, um, instinctual consciousness. And that is the sun and the moon. The ascendant or rising um, represents our persona, okay? It isn't necessarily our public persona, but it's like our costume or how we enact ourselves throughout our lives. So they could be very different, but the three of those are considered to be the primary triad in astrology. So you want to look at that. Like your sun is what you are becoming and growing into, and your moon is how you feel instinctually and the kinds of emotional and unconscious or subconscious motivations you may have. And your rising is how you deal or mitigate between the two. Okay. So you grow into your sun, as my mother always said, and you feel like your moon. And I'm not going to get deeply into the interpretation of all of the planets because I want you to be able to use this time as like a quick way to like look at 
how to read a chart, okay? So find the sun and the moon. The sun is where you're going in life, okay? It is what you are in many ways here to become. It is your hero or heroine's journey. So just identifying the sun and its aspects and the house placement is super important. You can go off on a two-year tangent just learning about that. The moon also, same, okay? How do you feel? How do you act and react instinctually and emotionally? Very important. Find the sun and the moon and the rising. How do you deal with life? What is the style in which you, uh, I guess, project yourself, okay? That is the ascendant. And it's the filter kind of between you and the world, all right? So you want to look at that primary triad, okay? And when you're looking at the chart wheel, understanding that The chart has pieces and sections. So you wanna identify planets and signs. Look for all of your planets, read the interpretation of them, like I mentioned with the sun and the moon, and find out where they are, okay? Where are these planets and signs? You can read about each one of them individually. The planets are the instinctual forces at play in human consciousness in the universe. All the forces, the sun being the force of ego or identity, the moon being the force of the instinctual self, Mercury being the force of communication, and Venus being the force of relatedness, the Mars being the force of assertiveness, Jupiter being the force of expansion, uh, Saturn being the force of Oh God, I was, I, I didn't want to say uh, limitation, but it is, it's discipline, limitation, and structure. Uranus being the force of revolution and innovation and Neptune being the force of the imagination and spirituality and Pluto being a force of transformation and rebirth and Chiron, if you want to add Chiron and it's a big one too, being a, a force of healing. All of these different forces express themselves in a specific zodiacal sign. And the zodiacal signs are varying other archetypal forces, okay? And I've mentioned many times before, the zodiacal signs are related to the four seasons and their changing aspects, you know, with Aries being the thrust of spring and it being a cardinal sign beginning a season, okay? Uh, It being a fire sign, okay? So we're looking at thrustful, energetic, um, initiatory energy, okay? Fire, uh, cardinal, um, and the beginning of things, all right? And we go into, and again, I'm not going to go into every interpretation, but Taurus being earth, it's fixed. It's the middle of a season. It's very fertile. Um, It happens to be an earth sign, so it has to do with tangibility and sensuality. Gemini being a mutable sign that is fixed is stable, mutable is changing, Gemini is adaptable, Gemini has to do with air and communication and thinking and connections. Um, And it is the end of the season. So it is transforming into something else. And then so on with Cancer, Leo, Virgo, and so on with Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, and so on with Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces with initiatory cardinal um, and fixed and mutable. Um, Although, of course, they have different interpretations, which you need a key for, okay? So understanding all of that is really super important. So back to looking at your chart. Where are your planets and what signs are they in? Can you list them? Take a piece of paper when you're looking at your chart and write down your planets and write down the houses that they are in then, okay? So we're looking at planets. We're looking at archetypal forces, 
all right? Expressing themselves in specific ways, okay, according to the zodiacal signs. And then we're looking at the houses, which are arenas of life. The 12 houses represent specific arenas of human life. Um, they are also associated with the 12 signs of the zodiac. That does not, they are not limited to that. But as Aries, the beginning of the zodiacal sign, you know, of the season is associated with the first house or birth, your literal birth, your first house, um, you can think of the first house in similar ways, all right? The first house does represent your persona. It represents um, how you relate to the world. It represents how you project yourself to the world. It can also describe your physical appearance and your body and, and so much more. It's like how you navigate your way. It's your costume. My mom liked to use the, um, the really quick way of looking at the primary triad as you say that... I am your sun sign um, with the soul of your moon in the costume of your rising. So if you could say, say you're an Aries with um, a moon in Sagittarius, you know, in a Capricorn rising. So you could say, um, you know, I am the leader or the, you know, the um, warrior in uh you know, with the soul of the traveler, that's Sagittarius, in the costume of <laughs> prime minister, which is the Capricorn um, archetype. And there are many, many different keywords that you can find all over the Zodiac for all of the signs. Um, and they really help. It's a great shorthand way to begin to understand um, this, the, the signs. So kind of identifying that is really important. All right. So we want to identify the houses, the arenas of life. Okay. We start with the first house. We go all the way around to the 12th house. So we want to look at the interpretations of all of the houses, right? So you want to write down planets and signs and you want to look at houses. Okay. And then of course you want to look at aspects, but when we're looking at houses, you know, the first thing I do is I look at the planets and I look to see, are there any patterns? What are archetypes and keywords for these people? So I immediately am looking at, you know, um, you know, what the planets are and signs are in and how many um, similar signs we have. OK, so we could have similar themes of like planets in the same sign in signs that are that have a Ptolemaic or a major aspect to each other, like similar um, elements or modes. So for instance, we could say like, all right, well, we've got, you know, she has a moon in Sagittarius and she's a Sagittarius sun. And then she has, um, you know, Jupiter and Saturn and Gemini. Okay. And Sagittarius and Gemini are in a 90 degree. That is a major aspect to each other. And you'll find that a lot um, that, you will find charts that have really strong themes, either by mode, that is cardinal, fixed, or mutable, or element, earth, water, fire, and air. So I immediately identify that, like fast, like look, looking at, okay, planets, we've got all of these different planets, where, what signs are they in, and how do they relate to each other, okay? So you want to look at planets and signs, and you want to look at planets and houses, okay? 
Now, it is really important to have your birth time because then you can get an accurate chart and you can look at where the action lies because the chart is like, you know, to learn astrology is to learn interpretations for many, many, many different symbols, okay? But then you want to synthesize that. And in order to do that, you have to employ two different aspects of, you know, learning. One, absorbing information related to the sign of Gemini in the third house. And two, synthesizing that information, which is a very Sagittarian or ninth house activity. Because of course, you know, in astrology, in the arena of life, um, astrology covers it all, you know. Uh, So we want to look at planets and houses. Where are they? Where's the action? So the planets are the action. The sign that they're in is the how the action will be expressed. And the house is where. Planet is who. The sign is the what. And the house system is the where of the chart. Okay. So number one, planets and signs. Who? Who are we dealing with? Okay. We're dealing with, you know, moon in Sagittarius. And then we want to talk about, and then what is the Sagittarius? Who is a planet? Moon. What is the Sagittarius? And where is the house system? Okay. So we want to look at the planets and aspects. So that the planets and houses tell a big story. Um, and then their interrelationship to each other tells a big story. Most people under can, you know, can't really get past, I think the interpretation of planets and signs, because that's a lot, you know, I mean, just like I said, everything is such a, um, a rabbit hole. Like you can go down, 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 and everything is so multidimensional. And there's so many planets and planetary bodies and da, 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 da. But keep it simple. Okay, look for your major planets in signs. Read about them. How does this aspect of yourself function? Okay, that's a planet in a sign. How does your assertive self, your Mars, function? In Sagittarius, pretty well. Mars loves to be in a fire sign wants to expand constantly, um, wants to get their needs met. But it's, you know, Sagittarius is also a mutable sign. You have to look at the mode as well. So it's fairly adaptable. It's flexible. Um, Wants and needs freedom. Um, But then you want to look at the where, okay? This is where chart interpretation gets really interesting, okay? Because when you're looking at the chart as a whole, you're looking at planets and houses, yes, but you, you're looking for patterns, like large-scale patterns. We want to get less, I guess you would call it like less detailed. You want to see the forest, not just the trees, if that makes sense. I don't know if any of this makes sense. I feel like I'm rambling, but <laughs> you know, if you know me, that's what I do. So let's look at patterns, all right? What we want to look at is, are the planets placed either below or above the horizon, okay? Now, the horizon line in the astrological chart wheel, that 360-degree circle, has a horizon line that runs from the ascendant, which is the left, right, the rising, the eastern horizon, across to the descendant, okay? And then, of course, there's another line, which is the meridian that runs from the top of the chart, called the midheaven, to the bottom, called the IC or MM Coley. Those are the angles of the chart and they're super important, okay? So when you talk about like astrological speak, right? The planets and the points. um, 
this is pretty significant, okay? The the ascendant, of course, is your persona, and I mentioned, and the descendant is where you meet the other. That is where you see yourself through others. It happens to be the place of relate one-on-one relationships. The bottom, the I see, this is the home of the root, the home of the ancestors, and the uh, MC is your wings or where you move out into the world. And this, these four corners of this chart, this cross creates hemispheres and quadrants, okay? So if you have planets below the horizon in your astrological chart, um, these planets are, and especially the sun, if you have the sun, that is your identity, your core self, um, below the horizon, you, I'm sure, were born at night. So the bottom hemisphere is um, below the horizon is the realm of like the contemplative. It is the realm of the realm of the interior. Uh, the astrologer Debbie Kempton Smith would say, when you find your chart and you find your sun, you know, if it is below the horizon or you have predominantly planets below the horizon, you're an innie. And if you have them above the horizon, you're an Audi. And many of us will probably have them in specific, you know, maybe throughout, distributed throughout the chart. But take a look for that pattern and see. Because if you have a lot of planets below the horizon, this is about, this is a lifetime that's kind of more about self-containment. Um, it is about, you know, um, I guess, keeping your own counsel and working on some of your own interior personal projects. Um, it doesn't mean that you're not going to, you know, work in the world or have relationships, but it is more of an introverted energy. Um, I remember my mom and I having a conversation about this too, and, and her telling me like, look, Michelle, like I've got all these planets below the horizon. I've got moon in the fourth house. And, you know, in many ways, like my relationship with the world is also about my relationship with myself, you know? And I thought that that was so interesting because I was always pushing her to bring uh, more of her self out into the world. And she didn't find that that was necessary. <laughs> anyway, um, look towards that. Like, where are your planets? You have predominant planets below the horizon. This life is kind of more for you and your, you and yours, you know? Um, rather than there and there and, you know, ours. So looking at the, and understanding too, this is kind of like a weird convention with astrology, is that the Northern Hemisphere is below the horizon, okay? The Eastern Hemisphere is to your left. The Western Hemisphere is to your right. The Northern Hemisphere is below the horizon and the Southern Hemisphere is above, okay? So if you've got a packed top of your chart, it's about broader social you know, stuff. So when you look at your chart, take a look at where the planets are distributed throughout it. it. We have north and south, which is more the realm of the personal rather than the, you know, and collective, personal versus collective. And then we have east and west, which is the realm of the self-motivation or individual energetic or the reactive or interactive forces. So as North and South are kind of like any and Audi, we have self versus other, okay? Meaning that if you've got a lot of planets on the Eastern side of your astrological chart, this is like, 
this is very much about you you creating your reality, you generating your own energy. Um, and if you have a bunch on the West side, we're talking about interacting with others, collaborating, things like that. And then we have the quadrants. So the four quadrants are planets in the first quadrant are the houses one through three. Planets in the second are houses four, five, six. Planets in the third are seven, eight, nine. And planets in the fourth are 10, 11, 12. The first, if you've got a whole bunch of planets in the first quadrant, this is about initiating identity, okay? It's really about you expressing yourself in many different ways, whether it is, you know, um, in general, your persona through your first house, your values through your second, and your thoughts through your third. The second quadrant is about manifesting and creative productivity, okay? The third um, or the fourth being through what you create through your own root, your home and ancestors, the fifth being <clears throat> the work that you do um, that generates from your own spark of creativity, the container of your imagination and your creative spark or fire, and the sixth being the service work that you do um, you know, out in the world, uh, and the third quadrant being 789, um, how you relate to other people and um, just the interactive relationship, what you share with other people and how you communicate your ideas with other people. That's 789. And 10, 11, 12 is like kind of like more collective efforts, like the kind of energy, like, you know, you got a bunch of planets in the 10th house, you know, leadership is, you know, whether it is easy for you or not is part of what you're here to do. The 11th, to, to share yourself, you know, to stand in authority. The 11th house is very much about sharing your ideas with other people and interacting with them on a collective level, the value systems and altruism. And the 12th is like a very spiritual place where you can share your own healing and wellness and spiritual energies with other people. So you want to look at planets in the quadrants, okay? So the idea here is that planets above the horizon line were visible, actually physical, physically visible when you were born. So they have... Um, you know, they, they want to work from an exterior standpoint and the planets below the horizon were invisible and they react or act with an interior energy. And that connects to the idea, the Hellenistic, um, view of, you know, the first, one of the first things that the, the, some of the Hellenistic, uh, astrologers would do was identify the sect. They called it sect of the chart it is a day or night chart. And then, you know, as you, I think of that, like, do you have a day or night chart? Were you born at night or were you born during the day? That also tells a little bit about your, um, your, your planetary motivation, your, your life's motivation. Um, one of the techniques that's also used if you identify your chart as night or day, okay. And you're looking at where the planets are. So take your planets and identify planets and signs find planets and houses and, and find out whether you have a day or night chart. Okay. Is the sun above or below the horizon line? Okay. If the sun is above the hot horizon, okay. Uh, or on the ascendant or whatever, if you were born during the day, you have a diurnal or a day chart and through Hellenistic doctrine, 
there are certain planets that are going to be kind of like more powerful for you. And those planets obviously are the Sun, Jupiter, Saturn, and Mercury, because Mercury does not have a sect. It moves just like the god Mercury did between the different realms of the interior and exterior. Um, and that kind of means that these are kind of like your powerful planets. Okay, so these planets can also represent some of the themes of your life. Okay, um, a night chart with the moon as the leader. Okay, because it's night. Uh, the benefits are considered to be Venus um, with Mars being a malefic. I'm sorry, Saturn is also a malefic for the diurnal chart and Mercury being neutral. So that means that we have, I mean, and I, you know, I just back to the Saturn thing. I don't necessarily think of Saturn as a malefic. I've done many, I've spoken a lot about it. This is a very ancient doctrine where they considered Saturn to be a malefic because it represented challenges and obstacles. But I think that you know, 20th century astrology and the the humanistic aspect of self-determinism that has come in and that is a part of our worldview has changed that idea that we can work, we can work with all of our planets. And if you work with Saturn, you know, really work with Saturn, Saturn does turn into Jupiter. It literally does flip the glyph upside down. So anyway, um, day chart, Jupiter, night chart, Venus helps, um, and you want to look at those kinds of ideas too, because those are helpful in understanding. Um, look at hemispheres and quadrants. Are you a first, second, third, fourth quadrant person? Meaning, does your do your planets bunch up in a specific area? That's a really good way of telling um, a story about your chart. Okay, so you might be like a um, you know, double Sag with the moon in Gemini, but all your planets are in the third quadrant. Okay. So this is someone who's really interested in putting the Sagittarian Gemini energy to work in relationship to other people. Okay. And, um, you know, maybe it is a day chart and you understand that, you know, Jupiter, your, your greater benefit is conjoined with your sun, you know? And so that gives an even more, I would consider to be like, um, joie de vivre or even like a greater energy to this energy. You know, I immediately look at where the quadrants are, the planets and quadrants. If you can see a pattern, I immediately look at like, where's the energy? Where's the action? Planets and signs are the action, okay? Where is this action going to be, okay? So planets and signs and houses are, the action is going to be expressed in the house and you want to talk about that. You want to immediately identify that. So that's super important. And then you want to look at aspects, okay? So the relationships between planets are really important because they, they color each other. They're like friends, right? So they're allies. Um, sometimes they're enemies too, but I would say you would consider any planet, even if it's in a really difficult relationship to each other as like frenemies rather than pure enemies. Um, 
but there's, you know, there's an entire, especially in mundane astrology, which is non-personal chart astrology, like the general relationship of the planets and how they, how the transiting planets are affecting the world. That is mundane astrology. Planets in aspects are pretty much mostly what they talk about, you know, um, because the planet's qualities, you know, in relationship to each other are so huge that you can just, you know, you can have your own almost type of astrology and that there is a particular kind of astrology that's led by Richard Tarnas, who wrote the book Cosmos and Psyche, which I might, I, I don't know if it's the most incredible astrology book I've ever read, but it's certainly up there in the top three. It is, it is a work of art. It is the kind of book that you can give your, you know, um, scientist father about astrology that is just so incredibly well written. And it's all about the relationship between uh, planets and life on Earth, you know, from a mundane standpoint, looking at history, looking at all of that. And they talk about the qualitative um, aspects of these planets and their relationships as uh, describing cycles that um, have their expression in um, major social and political um, experiences on Earth. So planets and aspects, very, very important. Okay. And again, if you don't know what time you were born and you can't figure out where the action is in the chart, maybe you don't, create a sunrise chart for yourself. Some people like to do the Aries Ascendant because that puts the planets in all their natural houses. But I really found that the daylight is, or the the sunrise is the best um, personally, but you can use either. And then look at the aspects, look at your, look at your planets in signs and look at the aspects or relationships between each other. Okay. Cause that is a huge thing. So here's an example. Okay. You've got a sun Venus opposition or a moon sun opposition. Like you were born in a full moon. Okay. Um, you have the two signs that actually like the, the fem, the two only feminine signs, I guess, or receptive, uh, signs of the classical planets in a difficult relationship to each other, right? They are diametrically opposed and, that's very challenging, right? I mean, that automatically tells you something about yourself. I mean, again, you could do an entire reading for yourself or someone else just by identifying the fact that you have a really difficult and opposition aspect between two major planets that have a lot to do with your getting your needs met, you know? Um, Venus being the planet of happiness and relatedness and moon being the planet of emotion and nourishment, you know, and, and instinctual connection. And when those are opposed, that creates a difficult relationship to getting your needs met. Because when you're looking at your chart and you want to identify, uh, you know, your own instinctual pattern, right? It's like programming that you embody. You want to look at say your soul's design. If you look at the chart, like it is your psycho-spiritual DNA, it is your soul mandala. You want to say like, where do I, you know, where am I programmed? And the chart can tell you a lot about that. 
So you're looking at these different aspects, right? The aspects are conjunction or conjoined, which is usually zero to 10 degrees. I do maybe zero to seven with the personal planets and then, you know, Saturn on outward, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, um, you know, Pluto, I'll do up to 10 and it works. And that is the degrees of separation between the two. Um, conjunction is these planets are, are conjoined. They're working together. So it's sometimes hard to separate them. You know, like if you've got someone that has, you know, that was born on a new moon and that has the moon conjoined with the sun, this is a person who's very focused, you know, they have an underlying motivation that is, I guess, together, you know, it is like who, you know, what you see is what you get, you know, and, um, and it kind of also, you know, if I see someone that was born on a new moon too, it's like very much about them, um, they usually are fairly deeply motivated in creating new realities for themselves. It's a seeding energy, you know, so they're out, you know, generally um, doing their thing and it isn't separate, if, if that makes sense, you know, like how these are the kinds of people that like they may have always known what they wanted to do, you know, sun, moon conjoined. Um, the opposition is opposed so diametrically opposed. But remembering too, that when you have an opposition, oftentimes it's like a seesaw or a teeter totter or yin yang, it does describe holism. So there is the opportunity for you to gain, um, gain a balance between integrating two aspects of yourself. And it does give you a little bit maybe of a deeper or wider perspective when you have say the sun and moon in opposition. Sextile is 60 degrees. It's helpful. It gives, it's these, these energies are working together. Um, the square is 90 degrees and you see that the most because the square is the aspect that gives the most energy. This 90 degree aspect between the, and it has to do with the zodiacal signs, right? In the 360 degree chart wheel. These are, these are where the aspects come from. Um, and it gives friction. So you'll find people have a lot of frustration, frustrating energy, but that frustrating energy becomes um, rocket fuel. It becomes motivation. You have a lot of sextiles or trines, which is 120 degree separation between planets and signs, considered to be easy, flowing. It's like a trine is like your best friend who thinks exactly the same way as you. Your best friend who thinks exactly the same way as you isn't necessarily going to give you new aspects of food for thought, you know? Um, it's like a whole bunch of people that all like pretty much have like the same, you know, functioning or ideology. So when you have trining planets, they can be really supportive, you know? Like, you know how you ask somebody that like, I don't know, maybe somebody that loves you a lot, you know, and you say like, how do I look? And they're going to say fabulous all the time, you know, and you're like, well, I can't even ask you, you know, that's the trine. So those major aspects all represent how planets work together in your astrology. And it tells a big story. Okay. Those, those aspects. Now those aspects, you know, you want to look at, you want to list them too. You want to see how are my planets working together? How is my Venus working with Mars? Say you've got a Venus square Mars like me. <laughs> Not only do I have 
moon opposed to Venus, I also have Venus square Mars. So Venus and Mars are always at odds with each other. So my ability to get my needs met is kind of at odds with, um, you know, how I relate. So I feel inner frustration. I feel I have a hard time um, connecting. Um, isn't that interesting, right? I feel the inner frustration. And not only that, we also can add in when you're looking at reading a chart, major aspects. Now, major aspects in the chart wheel, like you want to look at the... Um, and when I talk about major aspects, I'm not talking about the Ptolemaic aspects. I'm saying you want to look at large aspect patterns. I'm sorry, large aspect patterns. Large aspect patterns, there are many, um, give you an even greater general sense of a chart, okay? They can be a grand trine where you have three planets that are in trine to each other. And if you, you know, almost every single astrological um, chart program will give you these aspects in color so you can see them and you'll see a giant triangle. It's usually blue. Sometimes it's green. Um, usually the uh, chart programs give you the hard aspects, the squares and oppositions in red, and they give you the soft aspects, the trines and the sextiles, etc., in blue or green. Makes sense, right? So you'll see three planets in together and that is called a grand trine. So these relationships kind of function. It's kind of like three best friends. And when you see something like that, it's contained, right? Especially a grand trine. It looks like a big pyramid or a triangle in your chart. This, these, these energies are self-contained. So sometimes if you see someone like I would look at a chart and I'd say, you know, maybe it's somebody that has a bunch of planets below the horizon. Maybe they have one above the horizon. Um, maybe it's Saturn. And then they have a grand trine. I'm like, wow, this is not a person who necessarily needs output from others, if that makes sense. This is someone who's very self-contained. You see, they have this grand trine and they have the, all these planets below the horizon. And, um, you know, that's an automatic, like first, you know, uh, biggie. Um, another big aspect pattern is something called a T-square, which is seen a lot. You can have more than one. I happen, happen to have two, as well as two grand trines. I have a lot of complexity in my chart. Um, and the T-square is frustration. It's friction. It's usually, it's where it's found where you find an opposing, two opposing planets and a third that they square. So it kind of makes like a T, you know, in your chart. So you see an opposing red line long, 180 degrees, and then a 90 degree square that each planet makes to another planet that planet that gets squared by the opposing planets is the um, the apex of the energy. It's like the frustration beams onto this planet. Um, with grand trines, you can tell a story. If you have a bunch of trines and you don't have squares, you're not necessarily going to like push forward, you know? Um, you're not necessarily going to want to, uh, I guess, like externalize this energy. Um, so you want to, you want to look at the as major aspect patterns. Um, there are many, um, there's also a kite, 
um, which is, you know, uh, a grand trine with an opposing planet, um, which also tells an interesting story about, you know, elevating the information or the support that you get from the grand trine. Um, there's a yod, there's, which is very spiritual too. And there's a bunch of like major aspect patterns that you can take and you can add in to your chart interpretation. And honestly, you can look at a chart just through major aspect patterns. You can like immediately look at a chart and say like, wow, they got two grand trines and look at all those planets below the horizon. And you can start to interpret. This is someone who's very concerned with, um, you know, with their own passage through life and with learning and with growing internally and their own experiences through their own, maybe their own family line and their experience with themselves and, um, and with the things that they bring into their psyche, you know, and they have this like really strong connection, you know, sometimes a grand trine can be a really beautiful, like spiritual connection. If you're looking at it with maybe say, you know, the moon and Neptune and Jupiter. So these are some of the ways that I look and identify patterns in astrology. And then of course I let the chart rise up. Is this, and I look at quadrants, right? Do I have like a, a person who's like a ton of, you know, has got a ton of planets in the 10, 11, 12, you know, you're here for the world. You're here to interact. You're here because you want to work on big picture ideals too, you know? Um, so, and you can add that to your interpretation. You can say, um, I'll use my chart as an example. You can say, well, you know, here's a person who has, um, a lot of Capricorn, a lot, it's really strong Saturn, um, really, really complex um, uh, and difficult relationships between the planets. Uh, may or may not be a third quadrant person. There's a lot of planets in the third quadrant. Um, but there's also these major as the aspects. Like the aspects sometimes become the biggest story. Wow. Look at all these aspects. Everything is just like, everything's interacting with, with others, you know? Um, and then other times I'll find a chart and the planets are all in like three houses and they're not making a lot of aspects, okay? Or the aspects are, are limited to, you know, some sex styles and conjunctions and maybe one square, okay? So that's a really different person, you know? And that's a really good way at looking and interpreting your chart. And remembering too that I'm, this is just like a very broad overview of different ways to look at it. Let your own intuitive process come up and understand again, that every single planet, that is every single archetypal force within your consciousness, the six, the different ways that they express themselves are all still super rich with archetypal energy the houses are fascinating because that's where the action's going to be. And remembering that like when you do your chart, when you allow yourself to do your chart, if your chart affirms how you feel, which I think hopefully it does, you know, when you do your chart, you're living, I think your soul's intention, you know, and that's when you live that vitalized life, you know. And it helps even to see that your soul's intention is to have, to have complicated relationship with yourself, you know? I think that it's very helpful to me to know that I have a complicated relationship to myself. I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, I do. Okay, how can I work on that, you know? 
because there's no there's no need to suffer over your suffering you know synthesize so synthesize when you look at charts and like what comes out and I always tell people that are reading charts for the first time you can just pick a point that you're passionate about or you're interested in and you can talk for an hour just about that and it'll still be really beneficial to yourself and others and also remember that you know if you're interested in astrology and you find this very overwhelming or you can't simplify by deciding I'm just going to grab one thing know that like as I said before I've been studying astrology since probably I was I mean I can't even remember I mean young you know and I'm in my early 50s and I'm still learning so you know don't expect to understand it all by synthesizing it in 37 different ways, you know, immediately and under, you know, because everything is so rich. If you do that, if you decide that you are going to jump into it by using, you know, chart synthesis, great. But remember too, that it can be shallow, you know? So just use your intuition to go into whatever part you want to in the chart. And, um, and continue to learn and grow. Uh, I was going to say that I remember someone saying to me, you know, just because you love music doesn't mean that you should be a musician. And I would say that it's true about astrology too. You know, just because you love astrology doesn't mean that you are necessarily going to become an astrologer, but you can learn about astrology because I think astrology is one of the, the breadcrumbs, if you will, that uh, our creative force has left for us to be able to understand part of who we are okay so if you want to know who you are this is a wonderful reflective tool to see and it's also been given us not just to see like what qualities were captured by ourselves when we were born, but also to see like what's happening right now and how are we now interacting with those, with the qualities of now? Because the chart is qualities of energies and time. So I think I've babbled long enough and hopefully it wasn't too wild, but if you have any questions, please feel free to let me know. I am interested in sharing what I know with other people and in relating to you. So, um, would love to hear from you. You can, um, comment on my social media or you can send me an email. Um, you can find me on my website, persephoneprogram.com and, um, happy astrological investigating. Bye.